It's Wednesday, April 28th. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news and all the hot takes you can handle with Tyler Gates, Russ Cantwell, and Aaron Bewley. Tyler and Russ are out today, but I have on the show with us Kieran, all the way from Australia, and Tim, all the way from the other side of Dallas. So welcome, gentlemen. How y'all doing? Good. <laughs> good. Awesome. Awesome. It's good to catch up with y'all and uh, excited to get into some of this with you. In typical fashion, we usually start with Today in Tech History. Nothing really exciting there today. So some little stuff, but nothing I really want to spend time digging into. Maybe let's what take a second and just catch up with y'all in general. Yeah, it's just, there's nothing. I don't know, man. It's not, I mean, the, the closest thing that I can get to here is in 1916, Ferruccio Lamborghini was born, founder of Lamborghini. Interesting. Right? Yeah. So that's the closest I like thing I can find that's, uh, that's really tech related. That's kind of exciting on this day. Uh, so. How about uh, April 27th, 1989, the Xerox introduced the first computer, commercial computer mouse. Oh, is that what that was? Okay. I just looked at it real quick and I was like, yeah, <laughs> that came from Xerox. <laughs> yeah. Xerox introduces the Xerox 8010 or 8010, however you want to pronounce it, star information system. The okay. first commercial system utilizing a computer mouse. So uh, maybe uh, ignorant here. Why did they make a computer mouse if they didn't make a computer, or did they make a computer at this that time as well? I think so. The first commercial system utilizing a computer mouse, but the title oh. says "Commercial Computer Mouse Introduced." Interesting. So everything the systems before 1981, they were all just uh, touchpad, or how did that work? All keyboard, uh, man. It was yeah. all keyboard, all command cool. line. All, yeah, all terminal. Basically, all just terminal, green screen. <laughs> and that stuff. all led to the mother of all inventions, the QCAT. QCAT? <laughs> what is that? Oh, man, you don't remember the QCAT? No. Oh, God, it was such an, a spectacular failure. It was released way, way, way back, like early 90s. And it was supposed to be the like not the new mouse, but the new accompaniment to the mouse. It was just this little tiny cat that you would you know scan barcodes with and their oh, idea was that you would put yes, like barcodes in newspapers you would scan it and it would take you to the article to the or with more info yeah yes no we mm. actually had one i remember that i forgot what i didn't realize it was called the qcat or something yeah it was it was the qcat it was supposed to go right next to your mouse and yeah. uh, like so we got it for free i remember with our dallas morning news subscription because yes, they were I trying to make that take too. off yeah <laughs> that's funny it's kind of like early QR code sort of thing, you know? Yeah, I mean, it it it, it was, I don't want to say it was like ahead of its time or something. The idea of scanning the code and going and getting more info is great, obviously, yeah. because QR is everywhere now. Yeah. Um, I just, the the whole, you know, you need a second or a whole new thing to plug in to make it work. That just wasn't going to pan out long term at the time. Yeah, yeah. Kieran, was it you that shared the QR code drone thing? Yeah, last week. Yeah, that's what it yeah. was. Okay, I couldn't remember who sent it. I thought it was, it was you. Tim, did you end up seeing that? It, what was it? Yeah, yeah, it was a, yeah. a marketing campaign. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. So they had, so, been, they had been talking about that for a while with the Intel drone fleet of basically trying to turn that into advertisements somehow. Mm. Um, it, it's interesting to see that they finally did it and it worked. It's genius because in order, like, if you go sit at a restaurant now, they don't have menus that they hand you. You just scan a QR code, and the way you do it is you open up your camera on your phone. So naturally, drones making this shape in the sky, people are going to turn on their cameras, point their phone up at it, and then boom, a link's going to pop up. It's just, it's just genius. Yeah, that's it's great. Hilarious. It's good. It's good. Okay, cool. 
Thank you for saving the day, Kieran, on uh, Today in Tech History. Although it was yesterday, April 27th, 1981. I got to get Close this enough. dude, That's Marcel it. Brown. I'm going to get him on the show. going to get him on the show. Okay. Okay. Uh, technology news that y'all have seen. Who wants to start? What do you got? Well, Friday is going to be big. I mean, I guess I can throw my two out there. So okay. air tags are arriving on Friday and it is also M1 iPad pre-order day. Okay. So tell me what your take is on the air tags. Because there's been I, like what Tile has done this previously. Yeah, exactly right. Now yeah. the problem with these devices is that they're not Wi-Fi. They're just, you know, in-range Bluetooth. So it all depends on the network that you're connecting it to for how you know successful they are. Now, with Tile, the only people that are going to be able to help you find your tile are other tile users. Now there are a bunch of them out there, but think about how many people had a tile versus how many people have an iPhone. Right. So the way the reason AirTags are probably going to be successful is simply because it uses the Find My network. So anybody that has a cellular attached iPad or a you know iPhone, all of those will anonymously participate in this network to be able to say, "Oh, hey, I'm within 350 feet of this device. Somebody's looking for." They've made sure to put all the security in place and everything like that, so it will never report your location or anything like that. But it, because of the fact that there's iPhones pretty much everywhere, that mm-hmm. will make a much larger mesh network for if you lose something, being able to find it. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. That actually works really well. Because I was always concerned about that is if it's not Wi-Fi connected and you walk right. away from it, you leave it at the the grocery store down the way. How did, How are you going to know that? The only way is if somebody who happens to have a tile as well with their phone app on and everything like that happens to walk within Bluetooth range of it. Now, so but, now at scale, that's great, but you know. Yeah. So let's say th- there's probably a default aspect within, or not a default, but a, a feature within the service too, where let's say you have the tile on whatever. I'm trying to think of something that makes sense. Well, if you left the grocery store and you had it on your keys, how would you leave the grocery store? Let's say you walk to <laughs> right. the grocery store. And you had your keys, but you left your keys in the grocery store for some reason, right? Mm-hmm. And your tile, or your not tile, your your tag was on it. Does the does the phone just remember this was the last time that I was connected to yeah. it and saw it? So we think it's there. But then the mesh system of iPhones can then confirm and say, yes, yeah. somebody walked by it. Right. Okay. So, so it'll, it'll be able to tell you this is where it is, give or take, or this is nice. when we last saw it. Because it's, I don't know if you've ever used Find My on the iPhone mm-hmm. to like find, mm-hmm. you know, your other phone or what have you or your watch. Um, but it'll say, this is where we saw it. And this is the last time that we saw it at. So it'll show you when the last time it was actually connected to the network and able to be found was. Um, so if you've got the find my network, that's finding these tags, the second that it finds somebody else's phone, it's going to automatically update that time and say, well, I saw it two minutes ago right here. So those of us with toddlers, is there going to be a kid friendly, like indestructible version that you can clip to their collar or like, so these things, I I haven't held it yet, but this thing looks pretty dang solid. It doesn't, I mean, it Hmm. doesn't look like there's a lot of moving parts. It's just a tiny little piece. Yeah. Um, and there are, you know, different holders. They have the nice leather keychain looking things. But what I did is I just bought three of the little $15 Belkin holders, which is just a little piece of plastic with a loop that you can then connect it to something. And that'll allow you to, I, I mean, you could just hook yeah. that to a belt loop or something like that. Um, nice. They are reasonably priced for what you get. They're only 29 bucks, um, which for Apple of anything is, you know, 
not that expensive, but also the fact that it's giving you access to that vast find my network um, in terms of tracking for losing things. It's actually a very reasonable price for what you're getting. Yeah. I don't know if any of you all have ever lost a kid in your charge, but uh, we have not. And I'll tell you why. So we use what's <laughs> called a geo bit. Uh, it's a little thing about the size of a key fob for a car. And it is okay. not only Bluetooth and Wi-Fi, but it does, it also has a SIM card in it for cellular and it has access to a global network. The t- the thing itself was 99 bucks and it's 150 bucks every two years for the cellular service. Um, and it's basically low jack for a kid. So anytime we take, you know, our daughter anywhere outside that it's not just like here to school or the park, that thing sure, is yeah. clipped on her somewhere. What is it called again? It's called a geobit, J-I-O-B-I-T. And it's okay. basically baby low jack. We've had that thing for... <laughs> five six years now and it's great yeah dude i lost my uh second daughter in a mall once we were standing in the lego store and my wife and i miscommunicated and with that point i guess we only had had her i can't remember if we had three or four kids at this point maybe it was just three and i think i had the oldest and she had the youngest and we each thought that the other had her in the middle and then like five minutes later we both connect back up over by like you know the hair section and the Lego little people thing or whatever. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she was gone. So she was four stores down, just wow. hanging, out with, hanging out with the cashier. Yep. Just doing her own I thing. Felt, yeah. I felt terrible. <laughs> does that, um, does that geo bit give you also geo fencing? So if yes, you, it does. yeah. Yeah. Well, so it's cool. actually really cool. It has a lot to it. So you can geo fence it in and you create known locations So like I would ship them off and Nikki would go and take her to school and I would have a geofence around her school and then a geofence around my wife's school because what would happen is because Nikki was a teacher, they would put Avon on the bus in the afternoon and ship her over to Nikki's school where she would stay there until Nikki gets out of school and take her home. Mm -hmm. So I would know the second she got on the bus and left school. I could pull it up and it would literally track every, you know, little stop that that bus made. And then as soon as it got to the school, I would get another notification saying she's arrived at this location. So you can absolutely do that. I mean, it, it's got all of the features that you would expect to need and you can have a regular, you know, battery saving mode. The thing will last several days without charging. Um, and it'll just kind of every couple of minutes it'll ping, but you can actually go into live tracking mode where it will just constantly ping and you can just sit there and watch the thing go down the street, take a left here and then take a right here and see That's exactly crazy. where it's going. It's yeah. really, really cool. Do you know if the air tags, are they rechargeable? Uh, I see. And that's something I don't know. It doesn't look like you have to recharge it. It looks like it's just so low power that it just works until it's dead. And then you buy a new one, however long that happens to be. Oh, really? You didn't even change out yeah, the battery. Let me, let me look that up. Uh, it can last over a year. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, yeah, it does say yeah no one year it. plus battery. So one year for an, yeah for one year for thirty bucks connected to the network that will help you find anything. You'd think they yeah, would except if it runs out by that stage. <clears throat> yeah, Why are you searching for it. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> just one of those things. Well, it's just one of those things where, like, you know, if you have a battery, oh, port you can replace or it. Charging. Though. It's oh, the the coin battery. Yeah, the CR twenty thirty two. Okay, I was yeah, gonna say there's no way they're gonna make you throw port, it away. Then it's gonna be, you know, it's gonna have some problems with, you know, water resistance and things like That's that. True. If you have it sealed in there really well, then you've got a lot higher mm-hmm. water resistance level. That's a that's a good point. And then it's gonna, yeah, it's just gonna re- require more circuitry. Um, right, got to be larger, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. What I found interesting was 
um, after it was announced, the AirTags, Tile came out with a statement about uh, competitiveness. Yep. Um, so, so I'll just read the main bits of it. But um, he starts off with, our mission is to solve the everyday pain point of finding lost and misplaced things. And we are flattered to see Apple, one of the most valuable companies in the world, enter and validate the category Tile Pioneer. And then he talks a little bit about it. And then his closing statement was, we welcome competition as long as it is fair. It is fair competition. Unfortunately, given Apple's well-documented history of using its platform advantage to unfairly limit competition for its products, we're skeptical. And given our prior history with Apple, we think it is entirely appropriate for Congress to take a closer look at Apple's business practices, specifically (laughs) entry into this category. We welcome the opportunity to discuss these issues further in front of Congress. Oh my goodness! Yeah, they're they're asking for a congressional inquiry because Apple created a new product and they're upset that it's in their space. Man, yeah. I'm pretty tough. sure for a while Apple was selling Tile if they're not already still. Yeah. Well, uh, Apple responded too. <laughs> oh, what'd they say? Um, so Apple's statement reads. We have worked from the very beginning of iPhone to help protect the privacy of users' location, giving them transparency and control over how all apps may access and share their location. Apple created Find My over a decade ago to help users locate and manage lost devices in a private and secure way. Since then, we have expanded Find My to help users with keep tabs on the other things important in their life from sharing location, friends, family members, to locating third-party products like Van Moof bikes and Chippewa items, item finders. We have always embraced competition as the best way to drive great experiences for our customers, and we have worked hard to build a platform in iOS that enables third-party developers to thrive. Yeah. <laughs> that's I mean, a fair statement. That. They've, they've been doing this kind of stuff for a while. Um, gosh, that is that's pretty bold. Of, mm. uh, of tile to the fact uh, that they went to straight that. to congress uh, yes. that's come on man yeah, they're jumping I, on I, all I'm this other stuff that's been going on and this is like the day after as well that surely that oh, surely they they're not like infringing on any patents or anything like that because i think they would have said that if that was the case if there was legal recourse for that yeah i think they would have said you know we have the patent on this blah 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 Man, that's that's nuts. <laughs> when this was announced, I don't know if uh, I don't know if it was real or not, but there was I saw a tweet where it's a little it's a there's a picture of the screen of an iPhone and it was a map simulating all these air tags everywhere on different things. And it was like Nick's bicycle, Nick's backpack, Nick's keys, Nick, yeah. Nick's wallet. And it was like all over New York City or something. And somebody's like, Man, Nick is having a bad day. <laughs> Cause it was all his stuff was just spread all over New York City. <laughs> funny all right uh what else we got what are the topics y'all want to talk about ross made a mention last week about pissing off linux users right then i thought he was going to talk about what uh what happened between greg crower hartman who is the second person underneath linus tollvords for the linux kernel um approving um, updates and that university of minnesota has now been banned from being able to provide any updates or any commits to the Linux kernel because of a few 
people within the university who have provided uh, what they're referring to as completely, what was his wording, essentially completely useless patches for bugs that don't actually exist. Um, what? For what reason? Um, Just to be able to say they were committing things? Because I thought I saw in the in one of the headlines, I thought they were like submitting known issues. So the way it worked was it, they, they provide it to a set of community members who then approve for it to be pushed further up the chain, mm-hmm. which is then where it's seen right. by the maintainers. Right. So and such as Linus merged. or Greg or, or that sort of um, uh, level. And basically, the, um, they, Greg has come back and said, no, these are, you, you are creating Trojan horses within the patches um, so yeah, that's what I'm his reading. response. Yeah. So the response, what I've got here is the three researchers would then email in their Trojan horse patches to Linux kernel maintainers to see if the maintainers detected the more serious problem the researchers had introduced in the course of fixing a minor bug. There was a number of, so there was three researchers that had done this over a, a certain amount of time. And basically uh, they're all from Minnesota university and they've now, um, the maintainers have now responded and said, you guys are banned because of this. Um, you are wasting our time. You're wasting the community's time and we've had enough of it. Um, in all fairness, this is a big deal. Like in the open source mm. community, there are people out there that do nothing, but will go to all of these major open source projects. They'll open up a pull request. They will happen to go through and edit either spelling or some kind of grammatical mm-hmm. issue in the readme file, which is valid. It's an update that ends up getting merged to you know the main branch and pushed out for everybody else, at which point they get a little contributor badge. And then they go tell people, oh, I'm a contributor to all of these projects. When they changed a comma yes. to a semicolon or something like All that. All they yeah. did was fix fix some kind of you know junky grammar inside of the documentation. They didn't actually comment any or commit any lines of code. But I wouldn't I wouldn't poop all over that because that is one way a lot of um, people get into the open source community by oh, making yeah, absolutely. that small contribution. Yeah, no. I'm not saying that and that's not a good start or it's not helping yeah. in some way, but there are people that get called out on Twitter from time to time because they tout all of their clout that they uh, don't really have. So yeah. it, it all depends. I mean, by all means, everybody contribute as little or as much as you want. It's great. That's what the open source community is for. Um, but if you try to use that to an advantage that makes it seem like you're doing a lot more than you actually are, then that's not yeah. what that's for. And, and that's no, really, that, that's what I was talking about there. So I mean, I, I wasn't meaning to, to talk down on anybody who contributes anything, you know, to be helpful. Yeah. But if that's all you do, right. And it's just like, right. If that's and, all you do, but the then you go and tell everybody trying that, to pretend. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, and it happens all the time and that's, that's something that is seen and looked down upon badly in the communities. So it looked like the university apologized and then the community uh, basically just said, we don't accept your apology. Yep. And how does this work for the University of Minnesota? Is it for anybody that's tied to the university? Yes. Or it's, a, a it's a blanket program? ban. No, blanket ban over the university. And the uh, maintainers have provided a list of actions that the university has to now perform to be able to start gaining back the faith. Um, 
the response. So they wrote an 800-word open letter um, to the maintainers apologising and then the maintainers, their response was, as you know, the Linux Foundation and the Linux Foundation's Technical Advisory Board submitted a letter on Friday to your university outlining the specific actions which need to happen in order for your group and your university to be able to work to regain the trust of the Linux kernel community. Until those actions are taken, we do not have any further thing to discuss. And that was it. That's the end. Per so, my last email. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> Man, it's just That's harsh. But it, it's, yeah, three people and the whole university gets banned. I mean, I'm not sure how big their program is and how yeah. many were contributing, but. Well, that would be unfortunate if somebody who was doing legitimate contributions happens to get lumped in because they're like a student at the university right. using their edu email or something like that. That that would be unfortunate. Yeah, yeah so. it's that one person ruins it for everyone sort of mentality. It's yeah. Okay. What else we got? I have a a tiny tidbit. So YouTube is on pace to break between twenty nine and thirty billion dollars in revenue for twenty twenty one which is equaling Netflix's forecasted revenue of $29.7 billion. Now, that's a lot, and it's awesome. But the thing that really, really makes it big for me and what, what just kind of astounds me from an investment standpoint, on, in 2006, Google paid $1.65 billion in stock, not cash, for YouTube. And now YouTube is running you know, $30 billion in ad revenue per year. Yeah, that was a great buy. <laughs> and I think everybody, I don't know, I, I saw it as a good buy when it happened. And now oh, it's, always. Yeah. it's Google and YouTube are the top two search platforms. I wonder how much of that expanded revenue, I don't know if y'all have been on YouTube recently <laughs> within the past you know, several months. Uh, the answer is obviously yes, but the pre-roll <laughs> ads now, you used to just be able to skip like a five second yep. ad. Now you have to at least watch five seconds of two separate ads on 99% of the videos. Yeah, ads if you don't hit skip, then multiplied. you're watching two. Yeah, you're watching two 45 second ads if you never even hit skip. Hmm. It's terrible. Yeah, it's it. There's a lot of ads, and even on monetized videos, I'm seeing ad breaks even more often. And like you yeah. mentioned, in, instead of maybe one five second ad or what have you, they're stacking two ads, and and if you don't hit skip, you're watching it. And it's getting even clever too with those ad breaks that I've noticed in a lot of the videos. They happen right at the moment where like a topic changes yeah. as well. They're so, planning for it. Yeah, the, the algorithm's really working hard to be able to work that one out. That's, but, That's um, incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. I'm trying to pull up some more data on this, but, but uh, it reminds me of, I don't know if y'all saw, I sent out a tweet yesterday at lunchtime that uh, wrecked my notifications. Let me pull this up here. What I said was, the Oscars had fewer viewers than, well, oh, yeah. any one of Mr. Beast's YouTube videos. The one uploaded two days ago, 26 million views. I kid you not, within probably within probably 10 seconds, because I, I had tweeted out and I was going to run and jump on a call. I was just finishing up lunch. Within probably 10 seconds, Mr. Beast himself liked it. And then I didn't look again for another like four hours. Four hours later, I looked <laughs> at it and there's like 4,000 likes and 100 retweets. And I wake up this morning. And it's about to hit 11,000 likes. Yeah, about to hit 11,000 likes and 200 and it's got 266 retweets. And I just, yeah, I, there's no, I can't even, if somebody actually sent me something 
I can't even see notifications anymore. I don't know how much of his stuff y'all pay attention to. I mean, whenever I get myself into a random like YouTube, watch this next hole, I end up going back and catching up on his videos. Um, He's just this nerdy guy from the Carolinas who parlayed this into a just crazy, crazy career. Um, but I mean, on top of the fact that him and his friends are nuts and they give away all this crazy money, he's actually like an incredibly nice person. And he uses this clout and all of this money and all this ad revenue to help people. Um, he has actually created a brand new channel called beast philanthropy. He was making so much money and getting so much stuff. He just recently made a video about how he was going to completely buy out five stores. So he did like a GameStop and a, you know, a clothing store. Well, they literally bought every single thing in this clothing store, including the racks and things, and went and took those in a truck and took them straight over to Salvation Army and stocked a brand new Salvation Army location from top to bottom. Wow. They then bought literally half of an entire Food Lion grocery store and took it over to a food bank that Mr. Beast purchased, owns, and operates for his community. Wow. And That's I, incredible. I mean, it, it's nuts how much this guy gives away. And he'll do random things where he'll like buy an entire car lot and give away free cars to people that show up. Well, if you listen to interviews and stuff in the background, he actually goes and asks around and says, hey, I need people who really could use a car, how this would change their life and have them randomly show up and give them a car. Um, So, I mean, the guy does so much freaking good. And I mean, each video at minimum is usually giving away a hundred grand to something. He'll he'll go onto Twitch and just start randomizing and finding game streamers who have like 10 things. He'll, or 10 viewers. He'll just show up and start saying, here, here's $3,000. Here, here's four thousand dollars. Here, here's ten thousand dollars, and just keep doing that while they while they're freaking out, and then sure. jump to somebody else. Um, That's crazy. I, it, it's really, really cool. And I mean, some of his videos are are weird and out there, but a lot of it is just. I mean, it's really heartwarming, good stuff. The amount of good this guy does. Yeah. I watched an interview with him and Casey Neistat and that's where I kind of started to understand his, you know, the genesis of his story and all that kind of stuff. And he basically yeah. just said, I wanted to go all in and I wanted to reinvest everything that I was making back into this. And the thing yeah. that kind of kicked it off was me giving, I think he gave like $10,000 to, you know, some homeless person. Right. And he's like, well, yep. and I made money off of that. So I just found more people to give away, just give money to and <laughs> giving everything away. Right. Yeah. I mean, most Crazy. of his videos, even the, you know, 100, 200, $300,000 videos, they're all sponsored. It doesn't cost him a dime. All right. of this money that he's giving away comes straight from whatever person is sponsoring this video straight to the people. And yeah. then because he's getting, you know, 20, 30, 70 million views, his ad revenue is just stupid. That's crazy. That's crazy. Have you ever seen his stuff, Karen? Yeah, I saw a couple of the ones where he's given away things. But the one that I sort of remember that's different from the generosity side was he did, I think it was $10,000 worth of scratchies. Yeah. To find out how many uh, how many it takes to find a winner and how much money he would get from ten thousand dollars worth of them, and he only made like three thousand dollars back. Sure. So well, that's why they do yeah. it. Yeah. 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 I mean, so, like I said, some of, some of it's weird and off the wall. Some of it's really good. I mean, if you have spare time or you're looking to just turn off your brain and lose yourself in YouTube for a while, I highly mm-hmm. recommend his channel because I mean, if you kind of get through the 
we put 1 million Orbeez in a swimming pool to see what would happen stuff. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's a lot of really, really cool stuff out there that he's done. Does he, so I, I've, I've maybe seen a handful of his videos. Um, and I know too about him that he started a, he basically started for us in the, in this community, we understand the concepts of, of virtualization, right? And, and in my yeah. mind, when I saw what he did with the burger chain, it's kind of a bit of that. He has this oh, virtual man. restaurant. Yes where he sells burgers out of existing restaurants, but you can order, like there's no brick and mortar other than the restaurants that already exist that host his restaurant, but he just built an app. And then he made deals with all these restaurants to say, people are going to go on an app. They're going to order something locally, right? You're going to be the kitchen that creates this and sent, you know, and delivers these Mr. Beast burgers or whatever it is. So within the past couple of years, this concept yeah. called ghost kitchens is actually ghost huge. Kitchens. Now, okay. now he doesn't specifically mention these in the video. He just says, I have stuff. You can get it on Uber Eats right now. Yeah. Um, for, for that's part of the magic, I, Aaron, right? Right. Yeah. For you and I locally, they actually utilize Buca de Beppo kitchens. That's ah, where, who okay. they use for their. So if you look up the address for Mr. Beast Burger, it's actually all of the Buca de Beppo locations. Oh, um, nice. But it started because he had a video where they essentially opened up a burger place and gave away free food all day. Um, uh, and they were giving away free food. And when they didn't have food ready at that time, cause they were being slow, they just gave out bags of cash and stuff, but it was to launch this Mr. Beast Burger and these ghost kitchens are actually a thing. Um, there was a story that went around right around the beginning of the pandemic where people were actually a little pissed because they were ordering from this supposedly gourmet pizza company that ended up being Chuck E. Cheese locations rebranded on DoorDash and Uber Eats. Yeah. Um, it's like Pasquale's pizza or something like that. Well, anybody that knows Pasquale or Pasquale or whatever it is, that is the name of the um, Chuck E. Cheese mouse. So this, this is definitely not a new concept. Um, and it's That's something hilarious. he's utilizing. Um, but yeah, Upscale man, I mean, he's, he's making, he's making big cash from, uh, from those things. And really he didn't have any of the brick and mortar overhead. He just set up the supply chain logistics with them and then reaps the benefit of the business. Nice. That's awesome. I have a, a, a very brief story. I want to admit on the air. Um, <laughs> I, I cannot I remember like what the event was for. This was roughly probably probably six years ago, seven years ago, maybe about seven years ago. I got a limousine to take m- me, my wife, and my kids to a Chuck E. Cheese. Nice. <laughs> we rode in a limousine. It picked us up at the house, and the kids were just like mind blown. And then we pull up in the Chuck E. Cheese parking lot, and we get out. And I hadn't been in a Chuck E. Cheese in like 15, 20 years or whatever at that point. Yeah. And uh, this was one in Plano, actually. And I, yeah, I forgot. Was this how, for a birthday or just because? I don't even know. I think maybe it was like one of my kids' birthdays or my wife's birthday. Some, it was some, we were celebrating something. I don't know. I can't that, remember That's what it was. next level dadding right there. But There's I was no trying to just that. do something nice. so ridiculous that my kids and my wife would not expect. And then all of a sudden, like this white limo pulls up and we all go piling in and the kids are, anyway. I'll bet they will never, ever forget that. <laughs> yeah, it kind of comes that's up. That's fantastic. Now, it's pretty funny. It felt it felt silly. It felt over the well. I don't even know like over the top, but it also felt like trashy. I don't know. It was it's just oh, weird. It, it could it could totally be <laughs> trashy, but it's hilarious because in the kids' mind, they're yeah. rock stars. Like I right. mean, you know, I, that's just the coolest thing for them. So uh, yeah. major dad points on uh, pulling something like that off. That's hilarious. Nice. I like it. Okay, what else uh, tech news wise? We got to we got to cover anything urgent 
I mean, on the vein of income, Sony has sold 7.8 million PS5 consoles. That's a lot. That's, that's it a is lot. a lot. I mean, the demand now, are they, have they got their supplies in order? Because that was the issue oh, when they first... No, as far as I know, you still can't get them anywhere. <laughs> 3.3 million of them just from January to March, but 7.8 million yeah, total. Yeah, that's, that's nuts, man. The fourth quarter figures bring the overall PlayStation business to a total operating profit of 342.2 billion yen, $3.14 billion for the 2020 financial year. A record for Sony. Yeah, that's just... $3.14 billion. For for the fourth quarter, uh, that's just insane. For operating profit, I I mean, they're killing it with that. It was the fastest selling console in US history through its first five months of availability, both in terms of units moved and total dollar spend. I have uh, never see. been a PlayStation guy. I've always been an Xbox guy. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Uh, I'm a bit of both. I wish I hadn't got my Xbox and got a PlayStation, but I live on my Xbox now. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got a PlayStation 1 still, though. That works flawlessly. Um, so, it's just yeah. different game styles and types. You know, it, it always is. felt like yeah. the. I always felt like the um, like the sports games and the good FPS games were um, not not frames per second, but first person shooter games were a lot better on the Xbox side. And then the more Halo, like, hands down. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what yeah. I mean. And the more like mysterious adventure quest kind of stuff was PlayStation. That's how I always kind of saw it. Same yeah, I, I I definitely agree. Of course, Russ would be sitting there banging his head, like screaming at us, like, no, that's not what it is. I'm sure he has some kind of big opinion on that. Wasn't the theory <laughs> that you and Russ are the same person and you just change your voice? Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, that, that personality is not checked in right now. We, we've had one episode where I don't know if it was you or if it was Russ who was changing voices, but. <laughs> oh, that okay, wasn't me. Yeah. My, my personality always stays by itself. Ah, <laughs> there we go. But like, yeah, for me and on that concept though, for PlayStation, I lived on Crash Bandicoot and Tony Hawk's. So oh, they were Tony my Hawk two PlayStation. Awesome. Okay. They were my two PlayStation ones. And now I've got Tony Hawk's on Xbox and it took a little bit getting used to it. It's the same with Crash Bandicoot. I've got uh, the trilogy plus number four plus Crash Team Racing. So I've got pretty much all of them that I played on playstation on xbox yeah. now tony hawk was a and nintendo 64 for me golden eye i don't remember i don't remember what platform i put that on yeah golden eye was awesome Gold, golden eye on 64 that's all i remember and um donkey kong donkey kong no have you I gone back remember. and played golden eye yes no. it holds have up you played it recently it totally holds up yeah it holds up but the graphics are not what i remember yeah. You know what I mean? Like in my mind, it, it was, I don't know. My brain was, I guess, just filling in all like smoothing all the edges and creating all this extra rendering that just didn't exist. And you go back and you play it now and you're just like, what? Well, that's just like the difference between the original Tony Hawk and the new remastered version. Yeah. You're just like, oh yeah, this is what it should have looked like. Have you played the new remastered version? At, oh, we, yeah. we talked about yeah. it at length on one of the episodes for a little while, uh, a while oh, back. That's right. Is it on mm. Steam? Uh, no, it's on, well, it might be, but or it's Epic. on Xbox. I, I know it's on Xbox. Yeah. Although it's okay. PlayStation I'm trying to think how you get it and Xbox. The... Yeah. Yeah. I, I got a PC it though, right? I thought it was on PC as well. Maybe. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I got mine on Xbox. But... <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll have to look that up. Okay. Um, 
all right, this is the last thing that I think, and then I gotta I gotta shut this down. But uh, autonomous weeder robot uses lasers to take out one hundred thousand plants an hour. Have y'all seen this? No, no. It basically does <laughs> twenty times to. twenty times the work of a human. Uh, let me let me drop this in the chat here so you can you can pull that up there. Oh yeah, and I'll come back. There's a little bit of a pre-show thing that I was talking with Tim about some audio stuff. I'll, I'll play that for you as we exit the show. Dude, that thing looks nuts. Yeah, isn't that crazy? I can't. So it just scans and pulls all the weeds, but leaves the good plant. Dude, that thing looks like it's the size of a regular, like you know, giant piece of farm equipment. Hmm. I I don't know if it scans and pulls them or if it shoots them with lasers, which is what I want it to do. Let's see. I'm wondering. I'm wondering if it's a destructive laser or if it's just a laser to scan so it can fix. So it has eight simultaneously operating 150 watt lasers to kill them off with thermal energy oh, yeah. by targeting their maris stems at a rate of more than 100,000 weeds an hour. So yeah, it just shoots it. And I hope it's like the Star Wars laser, can like the cannon fire. <laughs> I was like, pew, 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 pew. <laughs> as it's like shooting them off. That'd be hilarious. But that yeah, it just awesome. looks like a it looks like a looks like a truck without a cab, basically. It's yeah, it's definitely a, uh, a bunch of antennas. Yeah, that's for sure. That's cool. <laughs> I'm gonna have yeah. to send that to some farmer friends. And uh, it does 20 times. Let's see, 20 acres per day. And it was comparing 15 to 20 acres a day while its lasers leave the surrounding soil undisturbed to preserve its microbiology. Right. So you're not using any sort of um, chemicals or uh, yeah. anything like that. Right. So, and then they, they were saying that a, the average person would do, would, could weed about an acre a day. So it's that much more effective. Anyway. Okay. Put that on the moon for you. Yeah. There you go. Kill all the weeds before we get there. Yeah. Chuck some lasers. Um, I know y'all both are musicians. Do you guys know Chevelle? All day, every day. Yeah. Kieran, do you know Chevelle? They just came out with a new album. I didn't no. realize this. Okay. It's pretty cool. Let me play a little bit of it for you and then we'll, okay. and then I'll just, let the show run out from that. Sounds like classic Chevelle. I love it. Anyway, I don't know how much I can play of that and not get my show like <laughs> taken 30 down seconds like that. before you yeah. have to send uh, ASCAP some money. Oh, okay. All right. Well, then I played less than 30 seconds. But anyway, um, go check it out. I've been a fan of Chevelle. It's non-tech related, but uh, mm -hmm. I just happened to see that they came out with an album this year. I don't know. They are still, when to it this was. day, one of the greatest live shows I've ever seen. It was way, way back. It was an Edge or not an Edge Fest. It was a uh, an Eagle show around here. And they were like the second opening band. And then there was a whole other evening of more stuff and they just completely destroyed it, killed it and was better than anybody else. The rest of the night. I regret to inform you mm -hmm. that I never went to an edge fest. I never went to one of those uh, shows put on by the Eagle and the Eagle BFD. That's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> the BFD. Yeah. <laughs> uh, major regrets, major regrets, but uh, okay. Yeah. It's just been iPad for me this week. So it's that, I would say that, that's always good. And oh, okay. they are the best band I've seen live. The tightest band, you know. Yeah, it's phenomenal. You can see that they practice it. 10 hours a day, seven days a week. Like Wait, spell it? Opeth. O-P-E-T-H. O-P-E-T-H. 
Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a good one. That's a real good one. Okay, yeah. I have not heard of them. Just just going on Tim's uh Okay, all right. All right. I'll check it out. I'll check it out when I'm working out later today. Yeah, man. Anything else y'all yeah. want to drop? Anything you want to plug before we shut the show down? No, no, Tim, no pretty your, good. Okay. okay. Tim, how's your podcast going? Have you done episode two yet? Uh, I have already done episode two. Episode three is actually today. Um, nice. And I'm talking with Sean O'Dell about oh, security cool. as code. Very good. Okay. Yeah. Kieran, have a good rest, man. And happy Thank you. Uh, Thursday to you here shortly. Very soon. All right. See and you, fellas. Enjoy your Wednesday. Man. Yeah. Take care, y'all. <laughs> see you. Bye.